Pastor Xavier Reese says that when it comes to following Jesus, be sure and count the cost. Listen to the words of Jesus. If you want to be perfect, he tells the rich young ruler, go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you have treasures in heaven. Come and follow me. But when the young man heard these sayings, he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. Jesus put his finger on his God. For him, it was his money. It will cost you to be a Christian. It's not cheap. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The Bible says that God has preordained our days, but the question remains, are we living our life in a way that honors God? Today, as we conclude our study series of the Old Testament book of Joshua, Pastor Xavier takes to the final chapter to deliver an important message titled, Joshua, Faithful Until the End. Let's listen. The book of Joshua, as you know, began with the words of God to Joshua, commissioning him to be the leader after the death of Moses. And what a fitting thing here at the end of the book, many years afterwards, that God is still the one in control directing the nation, evident of a true servant. Here's, here's the test of a servant. Ready? Time. <laughs> Time. What will you do with the power God gives you? What will you do with the influence, with the resources? Will you use them to serve God and His people, or will you use them for yourself? Very important. The renewal of the covenant initiated by Joshua here consists of three movements. First, the people's free will to choose to enter the covenant in verse 14 and 15. In verse 14, Joshua pleads with the people, to repent, to fear God, to serve Him. And by the way, service is the highest form of worship. God has not saved you or myself just to receive blessings from God. He's called us to serve Him. Notice this repentance was in view of their idolatry. It's very specific. They were the gods of their fathers. They served on the other side, the Euphrates River, Egypt. They had an idolatrous past. Notice their repentance was in view of serving the Lord. The whole relationship with God is service. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Every person who was ever born to this world will have that choice, whether to serve God or serve different gods. Notice the second movement. In verse 16 to 24, the people's free will is commitment to enter the covenant. You have a free will to choose. Now you have the free will to enter the covenant. Verse 16 and 18, the response of the people was one of outrage. Notice the response here. The people were adamant at the very insinuation that they had to choose. So the people said, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve God. What's the matter with you, Joshua? Well, you think you're the only holy one around here? Whoa. They were sincere, but sincerely deceived in their duplicity. This is a dangerous area. They were denying the evidence of their idolatry, literally, because they were busted here. It condemned them. They had been unfaithful. How can they respond like this? I've known people say, I would never go back. I would never go back to drugs. I would never commit adultery with my wife. Listen, listen. 
Never say never. You say, Lord, by your grace, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to glorify you. And I'm not going to live for myself. That's my commitment. I don't trust me. I don't depend on me, but on him. And so in verse 17, the people were also admitting the relationship to God and thereby the responsibility and accountability to him. God had delivered them from Egypt, brought them, their fathers, into the land, the house of bondage, great signs in their sight. So they were making themselves more responsible. The more you and I say, I know the Lord, I know what he's done, the more God holds me accountable, right? So it's really more condemnation to me, right? You as parents, when, you're, when you tell your child, what did I tell you? Well, you told me not to leave till 3.30. What time did you leave? I left at 3. Oh, really? The evidence busts them, right? This is what it's all about. God had protected them, notice that. Preserved us through the way that we went among all the people that we passed. So the people were acknowledging their promised inheritance also, not only protection. For he says there, the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites that we dwell in the land. And on this basis, the people were committing their lives to serve the Lord in verse 18. It was voiced publicly. Listen, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. How do you take these words based on the evidence? You take them by faith. This is the way you've lived. Fine. You're saying you're not going to. I'm going to take it by faith. When people accept the Lord here, I take it by faith and pray and hope that you do walk. But only time is going to reveal to me what you're made of. Nothing else. Notice the personal or the response of Joshua was to reprove the people in verse 19 and 21. So Joshua, he's a smart guy. (laughs) He knows people. Listen. Joshua reemphasizes the impossibility of their serving Yahweh and idols. He says, you cannot serve the Lord. You say, well, how mean of Joshua, how insensitive, how unloving. <laughs> no, he's a wise man. He's hung out with these guys. <laughs> Joshua is warning them, be careful. Understand what you're saying and what you're committing yourself to. God cannot Be one with sin. He's a jealous God. There's another reason. He will not tolerate disloyalty. Deuteronomy 4.24, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Now listen, listen. Jealousy for God means this. He is selfless. He is the best thing for you. He knows that. Jealousy for you and me is this. Selfishness. We think we're the best thing for everybody. There's a difference. He won't share you with anybody. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. Wow, what a statement. This is according to Scripture in Exodus 20, verse 5, 34, 14, Deuteronomy 5, 9, and many other portions. Why? What do you mean he won't forgive my sins? If you persist in your sin and there's no repentance... He will not forgive your sin. The warning implies danger in two ways. First, in not repenting. Two, in not seeking repentance early enough, too late, like Achan. Wow. Pretty heavy, huh? Many people say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, when they get busted. 
If you've blown it, get right. Because if God exposes you, it'll be proclaimed from the housetop. And sometimes he does that to people and humbles them before the world. He did it to David through Nathan. You are the man, David. And so Joshua reemphasizes the warning. Why? Because Joshua wants them to understand. He keeps on them. He's reemphasizing it. If you forsake the Lord and serve other gods, foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. Whoa. Sometimes people think because they've had an altar call, they've walked with God for years, they can go do their thing and God is still going to bless them. Uh Uh-uh. Or that God is pleased with them. Uh Uh-uh. God is grieved. And God certainly will want you to turn. But the further you walk down that road, the more dangerous it becomes. It's like walking down on an icy lake. The shallow part is the hardest. And you keep walking into the deep, and that's the shallowest of the ice, and you fall through. The people are unmoved in their commitment in verse 21. And they said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. All right. You fully understand? I'm going to take you at your word. And that's all we can do with each other, isn't it? Notice in verse 22 to 24, the response of Joshua was to reaffirm the commitment of the people. He goes one more level further. He is a great leader. He loves his people. So Joshua says to the people, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. It's not just to choose him because he's a nice guy and it's kind of nice to be on God's side and be on the winning team, but to serve him. They said, we are witnesses. And so Joshua calls the people to give a tangible evidence of their repentance in verse 23. Now therefore, he said, put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. They had left their first love, Revelations 2.4. This happens in life, in marriage, and with God. Oh, we're so excited at first. And then progressively, one step at a time, a turning begins. Indifference. And so in verse 24, the people declared their fidelity and loyalty to God. They said, the Lord our God, we will serve. Service to God is to be sincere and out of love, never in compulsion. And so they said, in his voice, we will obey. The word alone will reveal how to worship God. We can't just worship God the way we want, just because I'm sincere. It is the word of God that is inspired, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20 through 21. The men of old did not speak of their own origin or impulse, but they spoke as they were led by the Spirit of God, carried along literally. And so the word of God is the only thing that can prepare you to be a man and a woman of God, Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's proper for doctrine, correction, instruction, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. I cannot be a godly man apart from the word of God. I cannot be a godly man apart from the Spirit of God. There's no hope for me apart from that. Pharisees are ritualists. Those who cannot see their own hypocrisy and deception. 
And so rather than examining their life when they hear the word of God, they only get offended and they criticize what they hear. That's how you know you're a Pharisee. Ladies, um, you love mirrors. And you spend a lot of time before that mirror to make sure everything was in place. And before you left the house, you probably looked at yourself at least two or three other times in another mirror. Because you wanted to correct and see if there's anything wrong. And you probably drove into the parking lot, and before you got out, you probably looked at the mirror or took out your little compact. Now, it doesn't mean you're vain, though it could be, but <laughs> it's because you want to correct if there's anything wrong, all right? The Word of God is a mirror. Don't look at it and say, and it says, you know, you're just a hypocrite. You go, I don't believe that. Well, who cares if you believe it or not? You are. Sadducees are materialists. Those who say everything belongs to God, but God never sees any of their money. <laughs> and they often measure their godliness by the amount of money they have. That's a big doctrine today in the church. The church of the Laodiceans. <laughs> I hope you don't belong to that church. It's going to be in the tribulation. Scribes are spiritual lawyers. Those who have an answer to justify everything they do and say biblically, the only problem is it's mostly out of context all the time. Loopholes. Listen to James 1, 22 and 23. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. People must understand that they can not serve God without cost. God is not only love, but he's a consuming fire. He will allow no rivals. Listen to Deuteronomy 5.9. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I am the Lord your God. I'm a jealous God visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation, those who hate me. This does not mean that God will punish you for your father's sins as many people teach in the church today. That you got to cast demons out that are generational because your father was an alcoholic or your, your father was an idolater. That's a lie. This is saying that if your father and mother were not saved, then your lifestyle patterned after them and probably worse. And if you didn't repent, then you probably pass that on to your children so it goes from one generation to another. But I and my brother and my sisters repented from our sins and we broke that generational paganism and now it's up to our children will they will continue to follow our example or go back into the world but God's not going to punish me for my parents or my grandparents sins but this talking about a break in that generation if there is no break by someone being saved we keep on passing our funky life down to our kids I look at some of the young people today and I shudder to think they're going to be parents what kind of children are going to be brought up? He will not be appeased. Deuteronomy 6.15, his anger destroys those who live in sin or apart from him. He will not be one with idols, foreign gods. They provoke him to anger, Deuteronomy 32.16. He will not allow unfaithfulness. For you and I have been espoused to him as a chaste virgin to Christ, 2 Corinthians 11, 2. Hmm. He is very possessive. James says, 4, 5, Or do you think that the scriptures say in vain 
the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy? He will not share you with anybody except those of the family. He will not share you with anybody else that you might worship that. Listen to the words of Jesus, Matthew 19, 21 and 22. If you want to be perfect, he tells the rich young ruler, go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you have treasures in heaven. Come and follow me. But when the young man heard these sayings, he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. For him, it was his money. Jesus put his finger on his God. He rejected the kingdom. It will cost you to be a Christian. It's not cheap. This is the people's free will and commitment to enter the covenant. You know what it's going to cost you. Step into it. Notice thirdly, the people's free will was honored now as a legitimate contract. Verse 25, the covenant was made near the site of the setting of the law, as we said in the beginning, at Shechem. It was a recommitment of what they already knew. The word covenant means a cutting, like in Genesis 15, 10, when Abraham cut the animal in two. And the two members would walk in between the animal, and they were committed and obligated to that covenant, and the blood would seal it. They were making a covenant with God here. They would be held accountable. And so Joshua made statutes and judgments or ordinances here for them. The statutes are decrees, prescribed boundaries and limits for them. Ordinances are acts of decisions, court cases, if you will. And so Shechem, the center of the land, key in its history, first promised Abraham the land there. Jacob told them to hide their idols, to turn away from them there. Here it is again. And so the covenant is recorded, verse 26 to 28. Verse 26, Joshua wrote the words of the book of the law. The written covenant was a legal contract between the people and God. The written record would be preserved for all future generations. They would not be able to excuse or justify themselves. And so notice Joshua took the large stone. He set it up under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. The last memorial in the land is to remind them of God's faithfulness and their covenant relationship. There's many memorials that have been put. Remember coming across the Jordan, the stones? Achan, where he's stoned. There's the stones. Many different memorials to remind them. Here's the last memorial. What's the last memorial? Memorial of service and commitment and obedience. A solemn occasion before the tabernacle. And so in verse 27, Joshua declared their accountability to God. He includes himself as one of the people accountable to God. Notice that. Not above the people. This is great of a leader. Behold, this stone shall be a witness to, here's the key word, us. That's so good. He instructed them that the stone, a memorial, would be a witness to them. Lest they deny their God. Having greater judgment for their future unfaithfulness, which will happen and would happen. The law required two or three witnesses, three to some extreme cases. Here you have the people, the stone, and God, all three. And so verse 28, Joshua finishes his ministry. How does he finish? Well, how will you finish your ministry? Joshua had been a courageous soldier from chapter 1 to chapter 10. 
Joshua had been a wise administrator from chapter 10 to 22, dispersing the land. Joshua was now a loyal, aged leader, 23 and 24. What a witness. Notice lastly, the covenant would not stand. After all this, the covenant wouldn't stand. After these things, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Yahweh, died, 110 years old. He began as a servant of Yahweh by serving Moses, as you know. He moved on to be a servant of Yahweh by leading and serving the people of God. He finished as a servant of Yahweh, regardless of all the authority, all the power, and all the prosperity God gave him. That's good. So they buried him there in his inheritance. And Ephraim, in verse 30 there. So Joshua was a living example while living. And now Joshua was a living witness while dead. And that's what your life and mine should speak of if God should tarry. Israel served the Lord, tragically, in verse 31, all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had gone, known all the works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. That's the positive side. The life of Joshua impacted and influenced those of his generation. The life of those he influenced did not impact and influence those of their generation. And so the next book, Judges, every man's doing that which is right in his own eyes. Tragically. Our commitment to God is one of marriage. And he will hold us completely responsible. Ephesians 5, 24 through 27, he gives their parallel between the church and, and Christ and husbands and wives. He will hold us responsible. The book in heaven has no mistakes. They're recorded to perfection. Listen to Revelation 20, verse 12. I hope you don't find yourself in these books. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged, and according to their works, by the things which are written in the book. These books have recorded the people who have rejected the gospel and the people who have walked away from God. I pray that you're not there. The number of people who have rejected and walked away from God is not small. Listen to Paul the Apostle in Philippians 3, 17 and 18. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk. As you have us for a pattern, for many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. But then you have Paul's example as he writes to Timothy. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all those who have loved his appearance, 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8. Joshua finished well. Paul finished well. How will you finish? This was the people's free will. It was honored as a legitimate covenant. And so Joshua, the faithful servant, renewed the covenant, unfolded in these three movements, the people's free will to choose to enter the covenant. No one is forced to go to heaven. No one's forced to go to hell. It's a choice. The people's free will and commitment to enter that covenant must count the cost. The people's free will was honored as a legitimate covenant. 
God is faithful. May God give us wisdom. May we be faithful. Faithful servants unto the end. Pastor Xavier Reese with vital encouragement to stay faithful to the Lord. Now, as always, you can request a copy of today's hopeful study titled, Joshua Faithful Until the End. As always, it's available for just $4 upon request. And we'll be including everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. The title to ask for once again is, Joshua Faithful Until the End. Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you contact us. And then join us for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese right here next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 